1: Hey, hey, welcome back. Welcome back to another episode of Finding Freedom right here on the Lions of Liberty Network and uh, have a great discussion lined up today. Going to be talking with a really interesting guy about cryptocurrency, about uh, encrypted messaging, about a whole host of other different things that I know uh, you all are going to love. I know last week I said that I was going to have Chris Spangle in this slot, but we're shifting things around. Chris will be on next week. And uh, this week, I'll be talking with JB Benjamin, who I'll introduce in just one minute. But before I do that, I just want to remind you guys, if you like this content, if you like what we do, please consider supporting us. You can uh, do that on uh, Patreon, patreon.com slash lionsofliberty or lionsofliberty.locals.com. You can get bonus content, and, uh, and all that good stuff. So, check that out. Without any further delay, though, let's bring JB in here. And uh, JB is located in London and he's got a lot of different things going on. He has uh, a Vox Messenger app, he has Vox Crypto, he has CryoTech. Um, really a, a maverick, a, a maverick in this uh, crazy digital landscape that we have. And we're going to talk about all of that stuff. Excited to talk with JB. JB, Welcome to Finding Freedom.
0: Hi, um, it's great to be here. While I was in the waiting room, by the way, I heard your epic intro music. Damn! I mean that. I need that as a ringtone on Vox Messenger. Seriously, it's, it's, it's very epic or oh, awe inspiring. Yeah, we, can. we we can Tell make that, that happen that. if you. Uh, oh God, We can make, make, make this, that happen make, for you. Get a selectable item. So yeah, um, I'm not actually based in London. Actually, uh, oh, you're
1: not. That's bad. No, bad information. I, huh.
0: Yeah, I'm actually based in Warwickshire, which is right in the Midlands, right in the okay. middle of England. I, I live in a town called Nuneaton, and um, I'm like, I've moved all of my companies to Coventry. And there was actually a very conscious reason for that, because London, to put into perspective for Americans, it's kind of like Washington, D.C., we know what kind mm. of a swamp Washington, D.C. can be. Well, think of Washington, D.C. on crack times six, and that's London, basically. So I was like, you know what? No, I'm moving all my tech companies out there. We're going to impl- one of our internal policies is that we don't we don't want to keep bringing people in. We're actually going to if we can't find a talent here locally, we're going to train people. And it doesn't matter. We don't care how long it's going to take, or how much money it's going to cost. We'll retrain them. If we need coders, we'll train them here. And that's part of the reason why we're we're bringing these companies here because you know you can't rely on governments to take care of state funding and keeping schools running. Can you? Not you know, apparently. So I do have three companies. I've got Cryotech, where I created the world's first post-quantum encrypted chat messenger, uh, and Vox Crypto, which actually allows you to do bulk um, crypto transfers without having to worry about multiple gas fees. And on top of that, we designed it in such a way that your money is not actually stored in a holding smart contract. Like any of the other crypto rappers that operate, which basically means there's no juicy little attack surfaces for hackers to go after, and there's no excuses for us to go, Oh my god, guys, we're really sorry about this, but the contract it kind of got hacked somehow, we don't know how by by the way, ignore us driving off in the Maserati, it's all good. No, so we are we designed the smart contract, so it's not even a holding smart contract. It does all the processing on the fly. Then my other company is Dijin Technologies, where I solved another problem, which is how do you synchronize multiple camera feeds in 3D without needing somebody to walk around with a QR code or put sticky codes all over the place? So I created an algorithm for um, autonomous, intelligent, markerless camera sync, so you can instantly synchronize hundreds of cameras to create a real-time 3D landscape, which you can then navigate around in six degrees of freedom. We've got a patent out for, uh, that we've currently got in process for that. And then my third company is Gorgon Black Box, which is my private military corporation, which is where we uh, take the technologies that we develop at Cryotech and Dijin, and we build them out for military and private security applications.
1: Wow. Um, okay. Yeah. The, the, the last one there, I, I was not familiar with at all. But uh...
0: <laughs> yes. So- Look. If you're going to build dangerous tech, you got to make sure you can control that dangerous tech. You know,
1: yeah, especially yeah, with everything going on today with with AI and yeah. Um, before we start talking oh. about each of these, I'm I'm just super curious, man. Like a little background on you. Like, how did you go down this road? Where are you from? Where did you come from?
0: Um, okay, so I'm actually from a council estate in Birmingham. I was actually Birmingham is right. Birmingham is known because it's the second capital of England, but it's also known because of an amazingly popular series called Peaky Blinders. I actually grew mm. up in Bordsley, in Bordesley Green East, which is literally their ends. And I was a, I'm a child of the 80s, so I was born and raised um, going to protest marches for freeing the Birmingham Six and fighting other social injustices. Uh, my sister and I were almost born in prison because my mother was going to, pro, going to poll tax riots and stuff oh, like that. Wow. I was homeschooled. Uh, didn't go to the main. I wasn't educated in the mainstream way. I was homeschooled in the traditional British three Rs way: reading, writing, arithmetic. Learned a lot about history. I was writing essays and engaging in critical thinking. By the time I was five and six, Descartes, algebra, yards, mm-hmm. philosophers, all that kind of stuff. Um, originally, I was trained to be a physicist. But as you, as we all know, what happens with uh, overbearing parents? The kid goes in the opposite bloody direction. <laughs> so I decided, screw you, mom. I'm going to go into what? I'm going to be a filmmaker. Um, and then I discovered very quickly that here in Britain, the only way you're going to get film funded is if you're going to make a stupid rom-com with a bumbling stereotype of an Englishman that goes, oh, I say, rah, all that Hugh Grant BS. <laughs> or you get to make a film about, yeah, in it, hood culture, yeah, bruv, bang, bang, bang. No. No, no, no. I, I like Akira Kurosawa. I like Shaw Brothers. I like the old martial arts kung fu movies. because <laughs> you know, so far removed from what I would get funding for. So I kind of did a lateral move. I was like, what can I do? Well, I love programming. I love coding. I did my first diploma in programming in basic when I was 13. Um, so I was like, cool. I'm going to go to 3D, which is what I did. And then I did my dissertation in adaptive AI because I started playing around in AI back in 2011, and when all my tutors were calling me a nutcase, me, JB, oh, wow. nobody's it. This is this is not going to happen in our lifetimes. What's wrong with you? I mean, I have PhD proposals which would have effectively built Palantir and Midjourney before they existed from way back in 2011 mm. and stuff. Um, yeah, it was. Uh, so after that, uh, while I was in, I went to London. Studied in I uh, did my degree in London at Ravensbourne, where I later on became a senior lecturer of computer science. So yes, I've experienced the edu- mainstream academic educational system. Oh, how absolutely awesome that is. Um, had four children uh, who are absolutely amazing. My three eldest live with me. They're 18, 17, and uh, one of them's coming up to 16. And then my youngest, Cal L, is uh, seven. He will hopefully be living with me soon. A whole whole bunch of things going on there, but yeah, stereotypical baby mama problems, you know, black guy, baby mama problems, kind of goes with the territory, unfortunately. Um, it's one of those things. Um, and Vox Messenger, I gotta be honest, was, it wasn't deliberate. It was to stop myself from becoming, look, when I was, when I had, when my ex was mucking around with access to my kids, I did not want to be one of those guys that joins Fathers for Justice, and then starts dressing up in a Batman suit and jumping off bridges or becoming an alcoholic or whatever happens to all these guys. That lose access to their kids and then go, Oh, it's the mother's fault, man. It's all her fault. But then they kind of gave up and didn't really keep going. You know, I didn't want to be basically kind of like my Mm -hmm. dad. So, um, I just basically built Vox messenger to stop myself from going insane. Um, it was just to keep to kill time between court Uh cases and court hearings originally. But then I realized actually there's a problem here. If we look at all the different social media networks, they are exploiting our digital selves. Now, because of my background in education, I feel very passionately about Activit, about you know activism, our humanity, and mm-hmm. certain things like not exploiting fellow human beings. And that's what what that is what advertising revenue is. That's what that's what targeted re retargeted ads are. They are exploitation of your digital soul kind of feels a little bit like the transatlantic slave trade just with fewer whips basically it's just that they get to take Mm -hmm. control of your digital identity and make a
1: shit ton of
0: money from it. i mean we're talking about obscene volumes of money i mean bear in mind we have all the top ceos in the world talking about how they're such great civil uh humanitarians and how they really want to look after the world but really what are they doing
1: to solve. Yeah, well, you have, uh, I have to bring this up because it's in the news recently, but I don't know if you saw the headline with uh, Zuckerberg is, is raising cattle in Hawaii. And he's feeding them macadamia nuts and beer to, uh, to fatten them up. And then you have right over in Maui, not far away, which burned down. You have hundreds of people without houses, and he is you know, worried about fatting up his, uh, his, his calves with uh, macadamia nuts, which are extremely expensive. Um, yeah,
0: don't get me started on old Zuckerberg. I mean, seriously, this is the guy. He's one of the guys that actually, not being funny, if anybody wants to blame anybody for why Mr. JV, where Benjamin is here with all of these companies in tech, ready to clean sweep everybody out the way, who? Zuckerberg, Cambridge Analytica. Mm. You know, I saw every single one of all of these guys who are put in charge of our technology, these people who are meant to be the bastions, the guardians of the new world. And every single one of them is only interested in making money not actually doing anything all of the other what are the billionaires doing they're either building bunkers under their houses to uh, to for god only knows what fastening up castle uh you know f- hiring secret fire prograde units to protect their properties somehow before a fire takes place all kinds of crazy stuff happening or you know what's the other favorite? building clocks inside of massive mountains that will out survive humanity or what's the other one Launching rockets, penis-shaped rockets into space. None of which solves humanity's problems. If you want to solve humanity's problems, you, you bring out, you bring, you create sustainable universal basic income. Sorry, that's it. Simple, simple as it. We have, we are moving to a period of abundance. The concept of consumer capitalism requires scarcity. And scarcity is a really very artificial paradigm. It's something that is leveraged to maintain consumer capitalism.
1: Let's, 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 let's put a let's put a put a marker on that uh, universal basic income because I've heard you talk about that before. Want to come back to it? Let's let's dive in and get you know more specific about Vox Messenger first and talk about what that is. What does you know? I'm a kind of a smart guy, but not not I'm not a, a quantum algorithm smart guy. Can can, can you explain explain post quantum algorithms yeah. and uh, what that means for you know, the, the privacy and, and, and everything.
0: Of course. Okay, so let's first of all, remove the buzzwords. Post quantum encryption is a massive buzzword. Doesn't it sound amazing? It sounds so Star trekky. it gives you tingles. Um, what it actually basically means is you're using a, for a form of encryption that is based on something called lattice based cryptography. Lattice-based cryptography at its fundamentally simplest level is the process of finding multiple point points across a grid that could either be 2D or 3D. That is insanely complex to break. Now, the name post-quantum is used to indicate this form of algorithm or form of mathematics is too complex to be decoded or brute force decrypted using classic computers, classic computers being Mm. computers that stick to uh, Moore's algorithm. Anyway... The current standard used by Signal, WhatsApp, and everybody else that actually uses encryption other than Telegram that only uses it when you enable it, is called elliptic curve. Elliptic curve is beautiful. Elliptic curve is so simple. All you're doing is finding a couple of points on an elliptic curve. I mean, you can root the... If you know your history of cybersecurity, those of you out there who have studied that kind of stuff and have been called conspiracy theorists will know that RSA, are were involved in what looks like a massive backdooring of elliptic curve standards. That being mm-hmm. the case, that's why when I was looking at uh, encryption and I was looking at vo- building box Messenger, I was one of the first things I looked at is what encryption am I going to use? And the first thing I thought was I ain't using elliptic because there is no point. Now, what is the purpose of Vox Messenger? The purpose of Vox Messenger is to give everybody back their ability to communicate privately without oversight without the fear of somebody stealing their data for ads retargeting and then using their data and all of that information about how they speak, who they speak to, what they speak about for ads revenue generation. Vox Messenger is completely free. We are adding modules to it that we hope will delight and improve your lives, which you are free to subscribe to. You don't have to. The core encryption and your core privacy and safety is always free. We are not doing what our competitors have done where we're going to charge you for an extra level of encryption and stuff like that because that starts making privacy and security what? It makes it elitist. It makes it something that only the haves can have and not the rest of us. Now bear in mind, there is a ton of research out there that indicates that humans work their best with a level of privacy. What happens to humans when you give them them oversight, when you make them feel watched, when you make them feel observed? it gives them psychotic mental health issues. There's a reason why in Guantanamo Bay, one of the forms of torture used was keeping a person awake and making them feel like they're perpetually being watched and harassing them, not being funny. That kind of feels like using Facebook lately. You know, the amount of, you you can't say anything on any of these networks because if you do, you're gonna get canceled. You're gonna get deplatformed in 35 seconds, but hold on. I thought these CEOs were building platforms for everybody. And that's what we've basically done. Uh, we're not good.
1: if anyone's questioning that feeling I, I would encourage them to think about the last time they were out driving or maybe just walking and a police oh. officer drove by and all of a uh-huh. sudden uh, you start thinking well but well, uh, I'm not doing anything wrong I'm doing everything yeah, right absolutely. I'm driving perfectly right I'm driving the best ever <laughs> and I mean it's 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 crazy like the the the, the mind fuck it is when yeah. that uh when that happens but yeah you're absolutely right I mean it, there is a, a segment of the population out there who kind of uh Compartmentalizes this and says, well, as long as I'm not doing anything wrong, then there's nothing ah. to be afraid of. Like
0: oh, but- let me address that one. Let me address yeah, that one. Yeah. Okay. So this there's a saying that we were all brought up with, you know, particularly us Gen Xers, which was if you've got nothing to hide, you've got nothing to worry about. Yes. <laughs> Unfortunately, though, people should study history a little more. Because that yeah. saying that people use so widely to defend a complete lack of security was developed was actually designed by the Nazis. As a marketing tool mm. to make it easier for people to feel safer about giving up information, to make it to normalize it. It was like I think it was Goebbels. Seriously, this is an actual thing. People need to really think about what they're saying. Think, break this down a minute. You have nothing to hide. If you have nothing to fear, if you have nothing to hide. Actually, so that you're basically saying that the assumption is I am guilty just because I don't want you in my business? That's incredibly invasive. Yeah, sorry, no, mm-hmm. I, I completely disagree with that. I mean, don't, let's not get it twisted. I ain't hoarding guns in my house. I ain't doing the crazy stuff. But if people if if people keep spying on me and trying to push me, they may push me in that direction. Bear in mind, exactly. Yeah, yeah that's what it does.
1: It it, 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 leads, it leads people that way, just kind of uh, kind of naturally. Um, yeah. But yeah. so let, let's talk about. So no ads. You know, there's some things that you can subscribe to. Mm -hmm. Is there a video component now? Is that part of it been been launched?
0: Yes. So basically, we have encrypted video launching as part Mm -hmm. of it, which we, which unfortunately, yes, we do have to charge for. We can't keep that bloody costs actually a lot of money to run encrypted video, especially if you want to use servers and services that you can that you're running with a high level of uh, confidence. Are not being already intercepted or manipulated by Predator or Pegasus in any kind of way. So that's that's bloody expensive. So we are actually charging mm-hmm. for that. It does mean that we are effectively sort of going into the Zoom space a little bit, but it doesn't really matter. I mean, I've got to be honest. when I look at competition is that competition is necessary. Having yeah. it is it's actually builds and breeds innovation. There's a reason why messaging, encryption, all these things have taken so long to actually advance in terms of innovation, in terms of usability and UI and UX. If you look at the messengers, none of them have really changed what they look like since MSN Messenger. Even our one kind of looks like that. I mean, we are building a new version which incorporates Vox Crypto into Vox Messenger, which means you'll actually be able to pay your friends, your family, your colleagues, anybody, inside of your communications, natively inside of your app. This basically means the Western world will finally have its WeChat. And we have that launching in April. You know, uh, there's lots of, we we will be uh, publicizing this, of course. We will be uh, launching a beta where people will be able to join in and jump in and check it out. And we're moving to a completely decentralized model for our messaging. Also, the next version of Vox Messenger is completely interoperable. And what does that mean? It basically means Hmm. when we release the version three version of Vox Messenger, you'll be able to talk to all of your friends and family who are on WhatsApp or on Signal or on Telegram without actually having to sign up to those
1: platforms from a single client. How how does that work? Um, (laughs) Yes, I I, I don't understand. How how would that look? How would that work? You know, when you're on Vox Messenger.
0: So you're using version three of Vox Messenger Mm. and you're scrolling through your contacts list and you want to speak to somebody. Now, what, What the system does is it can actually see which networks these people are on because we have access to their APIs. This basically means when you'll see a little logo come up beside their name and say your friend is on WhatsApp, you just tap that and it will literally invite, you'll literally just start talking to them as if you were in, it'll come through on their messenger as if it's on WhatsApp and it will come through on yours on Vox Messenger. It basically We've basically got technology that allows us to spin up DMZ servers that can sit in between so that basically, while you're talking to your friend who is completely IT illiterate and you cannot convince to join Vox Messenger, you can maintain the security of your end of the communications mm-hmm. without having to risk using any of their servers. And given that WhatsApp and Signal are now both run and owned by the same person, Brian Acton, and Signal went closed source on all of their servers for some reason after taking 20 million off of him. And given that Tucker uh, Tucker Carlson recently revealed that he was pulled in by a three-letter agency for talking to Putin about having an interview with him, we can all pretty much infer that a lot of these messaging platforms are in some formal way Mm co-opted. Now here in the United Kingdom, Kingdom, they've been changing all the laws to make it impossible to run a, a tech company Without, in some way, um, being embedded, the government basically. Now we're actually we are we're moving all of our companies out of the United Kingdom because we will not comply with that kind of nonsense. At the end of the day, we build our products for our consumers and our shareholders to benefit mm-hmm. from. You know? And at a bigger scale, we're build, building it for the objective of providing a sustainable platform that generates revenue for Universal Basic Income.
1: So I'm curious, this interruptibility, tough word to say, but really, really, uh, I'm going to start using that word all the time now. sounds so impressive. (laughs) (laughs)
0: I'm so interoperable with you, man.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Why hasn't anyone else done this before?
0: Because it doesn't really benefit them. Think about it. The only reason why any of the social media platforms, communication networks right now are looking at interoperability is because the European Union have made it mandatory as part of GDPR. And so basically they're fed up of all of these big tech billionaires who are all from the U S predominantly, Jeez. uh, basically snarfing up every single person's personal details and then selling it to the highest bidder while at the same time claiming to be patriots and trying to be claiming that they're going to be the ones that save us and lead us to the promised land. Yeah. Um, yeah, no. <laughs> it's, it's, yeah, it's one of those. unfortunately, all of these systems are designed to make money, but they, they make kind of making money to this point of making money. When I ran the revenue projections of all the different systems I've been building over the years, part of the reason why I decided that we're going to do a form, we're going to contribute towards universal basic income as an end, as a goal is because I was very unsettled by the volume. I know it's going to sound nuts. I was very unsettled by the amounts of money based on the financial modeling that this stuff could make mm. because look at all the people around us who have that kind of money. Gary ass people, you know, and generally are any of us better off for it? So, you know, you got to know what you're going to do with it if you're going to go earn it.
1: Yeah. I think, I think this maybe I'm wrong, but I think this ties back to your thoughts on universal basic income. Because if I'm understanding this correctly, the way that you're looking at it is sort of this uh, like a voluntary network of universal basic income. You know, yeah, it, it, right.
0: Essentially, so basically, the biggest problem with universal basic income, if you look at it as a way as a way of solving poverty, is that every single time a person mentions it, they will go, "Oh my god, we're going to save everybody with universal basic income, and nobody's going to have to work again. It's going to be amazing." By the way, we're going to have to put some people's taxes up. Hold on, what? You know, and that's about where it falls flat on its face. You know, oh, unless you're Sam Altman. And you want to jam you fall, you pay the poorest people in the poorest parts of the world to give up their digital identity by shoving their face into a silver orb with a very sketchy plan for how that's going to lead to UBI. It still hasn't been explained how it's going to even be sustained, actually. We worked out very quickly that all the different platforms we have been when we have Vox, we have Vox Messenger. We have um, Vox Crypto, which is coming out. Vox Crypto, what makes it, Vox Crypto as a crypto wallet different to everybody else is that we built, as I said, that smart contract that allows mm-hmm. you to send, say, $100 to 500 people, but you only pay one gas fee. That works out. Which is huge. Market.
1: I mean, just to yeah. pause on that, that's that's incredible. Like,
0: yeah. <laughs> and we got partnerships with Transact because we're going to be adding uh, debit card and credit card on-ramping natively in-app, none of this iFrame crap. we got on-chain KYC and AML coming because, yes, we looked at KYC and AML, it's horrible. It feels invasive, yes, stare at the camera and flash my passport,
1: what?
0: And then on top of that, you don't even know who has access to it. With our on-chain mm-hmm. KYC and AML system, it's on the blockchain. And not just that, we have a trigger system built in. So if any institution checks or requests your KYC or AML ID, it's recorded on the blockchain that that happened and you get notified in app. You know, So we have all of these things mm-hmm. which are improving the experience. There are compromises that have to be done, unfortunately, like KYC and AML to avoid certain things. But at the same time, they do not have to be over leveraged in a draconian kind of spy craft kind of way. They can be. We're a firm believer in all of my companies of being a light touch. I mean, I'll give you an example. In, uh, how do you stop people from communicating about or trading in child pornography, human trafficking or terrorist content? How do you do that? At the moment, before homomorphic encryption has come out, how do you do that without having to hand over keys and decrypt everybody? Mm-hmm. We actually have, we've actually got a solution that we're building. Um, how can you, you do it? Ah, can't tell you too much about it because it's actually becoming a product that's going to release, that's going to be okay. released But what we have, we have a capability that allows us to um, scan encrypted data in stream and identify patterns of content without needing a decryption key. That basically means that it's almost like, in a sense, we can see through the veil, as it were.
1: Hey, we're going to take a real quick break to hear about the sponsor for today's show, and that sponsor is Crowd Health. If you're a person who has had any interaction with uh, the healthcare industry and health insurance, then you are absolutely frustrated. I'm sure you've dealt with paying for things you're not supposed to pay for, having to get tests that you don't want to get, and just the general frustration of having no transparency in your healthcare. And that's without even getting to the part where, really, healthcare insurances, you end up paying and putting your money towards maybe some surgeries and some things that you don't agree with, either from a faith perspective or from just a moral perspective. So let's talk about an alternative to health insurance. And that's what crowd health is. Crowd health is not health insurance. It is a a better way to pay for your healthcare. So for $175 for an individual, or 575 for a family of four, you're gonna get access to a community of people, like-minded individuals, like you, liberty-minded, freedom-oriented people, who are willing to help out in the event of an emergency. You'll get access to telemedicine visits, discounted prescriptions, and so much more. So and this is without doctors' networks getting in the way. CrowdHealth is actually gonna help you to find um, the doctors that will fit your needs. And of course, you get to join this crowd. The like-minded people, people just like you, allow Crowd Health to help you with your healthcare needs. Get started today for just $99 per month for your first 3 months. $99 first 3 months. You're going to do that by using code Lions at crowd CrowdHealth is not health insurance. Learn more at joincrowdhealth.com and join the crowd today. Code Lions. So that sounds interesting but we we're talking about three letter three letter agencies earlier sounds a little bit dangerous with that tech if they got a hold of it so that, that, this, is, me that this is
0: the reason why this brings you back to this brings me back to something i've mentioned in some other shows i've been in which is that you really as consumers you all got to really start caring about who your ceos are and where they come from and i say that because it's going to tell you very quickly whether or not you can trust what they're building or whether or not their motivations are consistent enough for you you to trust the vision that is leading to what they're building. Now, Mm -hmm. uh, with this technology, one of the things that all of my shareholders had to get very comfortable with, and yeah, I have shareholders and I have some very robust discussions because... Sometimes my ethics will misalign with people's ambitions <laughs> to make money. Um, but I'm not one of those guys that will say, swap his soul for wearing a dress or just $200 million. You know what I'm saying? That, that just ain't made, doesn't fly. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the things that was very abundantly clear to all my shareholders is that we, I'm not selling my tech. I'm not selling my patents. I'm not selling my companies. That's that. And if people actually look into my history and my background, they'll see that I'm in 42 years I'm 42 42 mm-hmm. years old. I have been incredibly consistent actually. there's a reason why I don't delete or hide my social media or post requests to Google to, to clean my social media footprint. I'm incredibly consistent, which means mm-hmm. I invite people to ask me questions. I'm about the I think I'm the only CEO in the tech world that actually says literally ask me anything. I'm easy to find, even though I believe in privacy as a CEO, I live my life incredibly publicly because I realise that's what I have to sacrifice my privacy so that people can actually trust and see that I'm being transparent and I can be held accountable.
1: Mm-hmm. You know, these
0: people who claim, Oh my God, I, I need, I want my privacy, but I want to be famous. Oh my God. I, I want my privacy. Oh my God. Don't invite, don't invade my privacy. Oh my God. So why are you in an industry? That's all about look at me. You know, so <laughs> you know what I'm saying? No. Um, and I invite people to question me. I invite people to even as my companies move into being billion-dollar valuations. I am always going to be holding regular uh, town hall meetings. I'll be inviting members of the consumer public to join these meetings and inform mm. on our decision making. You know, is uh, that's the reason that if you have if you're going to be if you're going to build technology that helps a lot of people, almost always that technology can be used to screw a lot of people as well. I mean, lasers... Yeah. Aren't they amazing? They can solve a lot of problems, and they can also be used as a very dangerous weapon. Nuclear mm-hmm. energy, incredibly useful for some healthcare, also used by a lot of nutcases. In, in it's one of these things, unfortunately. So you have to, if the people, the thing you need to really be concerned with is, are the people developing the tech ethical people who you can rely on with a fair level of certainty? Are not going to turn into the next big Mister Evil? And the way you determine that is, what is their background? Were they born with a silver spoon in their mouth? Because I'm telling you now, if they were, there's a super high probability they're not aiming at, they're not going to be interested in your, in your version of reality. I mean, when mm-hmm. I've, I've met a lot of super rich people and a lot of them are super nice, but they're almost all completely div- divorced from the reality that the majority of us experience. And mm-hmm. given that we have CEOs running companies, which we are reliant on in our everyday lives practically now. Shouldn't we shouldn't these companies being led by people who are slightly closer to our life experience? So they're actually slightly gonna have a better realization of what we actually need? Building products is not about doing trend searches and that kind of nonsense. It's about looking at the socio looking at the socioeconomics, looking at the socio politics of the world around you. What does the world need? You know?
1: Yeah, and that's—I mean—that's truly what an entrepreneur should be. At, at the heart of it, right? You're solving solving these problems, looking at the the problems that are ailing society, and uh, and trying your best to solve them. And yeah, it's it's gotten in this kind of way where the uh, the the Musk's of the world, the Zuckerbergs, the uh, I'm trying I'm to blank on more millionaires names of the Larry Finks, but
0: black, Rock, our, our gates. you know, the less, you know, it goes up. Yeah. On. We, yeah. I mean, and they,
1: they get in this, uh, this mindset where they almost want to play God. And yeah. I think it's extremely dangerous. And I talk about in that intro at the beginning that I run, talk about overcoming your ego. It's, yeah. and it seems like you've been able to do that in a, in a way. And, um, just curious, why do you think? Why do you think that is? Is that something from, you know, the way you were raised? Or? um, where does that come from?
0: Um, I'll be blunt. My mother was an is an absolute psychopath. Um, (laughs) But she did one one thing that was good, which was my education. Um, I was my sister and I were engaging in critical thinking from a very early age. That is a clear definer between one of the things that is a defining trait between Gen X and Gen Z is that gen X's generally we there's critical the critical thinking was forced on us from an incredibly early age. And I studied philosophy and psychology. I also studied behavioral psychology uh, because I wanted to learn how to make machines better, basically. And that's when I started realizing a lot of crazy realizing a lot of things and realizing how screwed most of humanity is actually at a very base level. Um, but I would say it's my education. Um, I had a very, I'll give you an example. My education was incredibly pragmatic. It wasn't about picking sides. I learned everything, the unvarnished horrifics, the good sides and bad sides of history about everybody. In terms of religion, I was taught, I was made to read almost all the major books. And then my mother was like, by the way, this all complete made up nonsense. You've now understand science. Come up to your own mind, make your own decisions about it. And I must admit, I gravitated more towards science than anything else. I had a very heavily science dominated upbringing. I didn't have toys. I, for presents, I got chemistry sets, microscopes and books. You know, so when you have that background, oh, and bearing in mind, this background is, this is set against a backdrop of living in a very poor council estate in Birmingham that's incredibly rough and is just up the road from one of the roughest parts of England at that point in time, Chelsea Woods. You know, that backdrop as well also helps to hone how you want to fix things. Because you suddenly realize that a lot of when you're learning history and you're having this education and you're living in poverty, one of the things you learn very quickly is that poverty is a consistent across history. And it seems to be a consistent across history because it seems to be about scarcity, the haves and the haves nots. And you learn very quickly that um, these are artificial constructs. Now, my children, they've been through the modern education system. And I must admit, seeing these the mainstream education system and having worked as part of the mainstream education system, I understand why so many people are left lost and confused in this modern world. Yeah. Seriously, because the education system is designed not to build people like me. It's designed to build people who will say, um, well, you know, I don't worry about my security because, you know, if you've got nothing to hide, <laughs> you've got nothing to fear. You it's know.
1: designed to build factory workers. I mean,
0: yes, it's designed to actually build consumers are also commodities. I mean, we're all yeah. we're from day one. I loved your intro, we're born free, yada yada, yada. But let's think about the fundamentals of that in reality, are we? I mean, we have a birth certificate that is signs us a number. In the United in the United States, you guys has, guys have various treasury notes and stuff assigned to that, et cetera, et cetera. It gets murky. We are a commodity. There's a reason why Facebook Google and Apple are all fighting the European Union over privacy laws because the privacy laws coming into the into the European Union prohibit the utility of our data without our permission. <gasps> no! Good God, that could break the entirety of how they make money. And this is the reason why when I was building my companies, I've designed my companies to be built around an infrastructure that is not reliant on advertising. So we have value. Our value is not an artificial thing that mm. is based on on whether or not we can uh, suck up to advertisers and stuff like that because we don't need them, you know, so they don't pull our strings, you know, and this is it means yes, it's taken me many years to build to where I am now. I mean, bear in mind I started building back in 2017 when to give you a little picture back when I started building this, everybody was telling me, JB, you're nuts. You shouldn't build encryption. Nobody needs it. We've got WhatsApp. We've got WhatsApp. We've got signal. Who needs it? Only terrorists are going to use it. You're the problem. And then COVID happened and everybody suddenly, then COVID happened and we had some reality checks, like we can work from home. We don't need offices. We can work fewer hours and get the same stuff done. And all of a sudden we love being around our families. What? You know, we suddenly had some reality checks and it was these reality checks that I built my product for. I knew I could Mm -hmm. see, I look at the world around me, I see what's happening. I look at my magic eight ball and and one of my many strengths, I hate to say, is being able to predict what happens next. And it's unfortunately, I'm often right. Uh, Vox Messenger was a product that was built for the future, the future, which is now. Hence why I built the infrastructure to incorporate Vox Crypto. Because what is one of the biggest problems we have right now? Apart from deplatforming? people are not just being de from social media. They're getting deplatformed from banks. Yes, mm-hmm. say yeah. the wrong thing and your bank account gets taken. I thought we lived in a democracy, but we had freedom.
1: Yeah. It's absolutely crazy times, and just to to double down on what you said there about advertising and these advertising dollars really c- controlling the network. I mean, all you have to do is look at if you watch TV in the United States, we have ESPN. You know, you watch your 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 American yeah. football, you watch you know, yeah. basketball, whatever. Um, every other commercial is a pharmaceutical company, and people are like, "Well, why are these pharmaceutical companies advertising?" <laughs> I'm not going to go out and call my doctor and, you know, get a, a pharmaceutical for my uh, acid reflux at halftime of the football game. No, you're not. <laughs> of course you're not. They're doing that so they control the narrative that is said, you know, by the people who are broadcasting on those, on those networks. And it's the yes. same thing with social media. Same thing with Facebook. Same thing with Instagram. Same thing with um, uh TikTok. They they are able to control what is is said on those platforms and what the algorithms push up to the top. I mean, it's it's as simple as that. So just wanted to to make that point clear for anyone who didn't understand that.
0: It really is. I mean, I'll give you an example. We're getting ready to launch another one of our platforms, which is Vox Alive. Vox Alive is basically our version of Facebook, but again, without ads, you control your data and your data exists in a pod that you can actually open up and monetize if you want to. It's a whole thing.
1: Oh, that's cool. So,
0: um. Now, we only have two rules on Vox Alive, which is no child pornography, no human trafficking, everything else go nuts, which basically means uh, one of our slogans is freedom of speech, not freedom of consequence, because everybody wants Mm -hmm. freedom of speech, but nobody wants to be deplatformed for the consequence of the freedom of speech. So we have one mechanic in Vox Alive, which is you can block people. It's as simple as that. You don't like what somebody's. you wanna say something stupid, say something stupid. Just don't be surprised if people say you're stupid. But if you don't like them saying you're stupid, you just block them. Simple. Yeah. We don't really need much more than that in social media. We don't really, once you have a, the capability to uh, ascertain if people are discussing or transmitting human trafficking or child pornography data in an encrypted stream, you don't really need to have moderation groups then. You don't need to have these, mm-hmm. these wage slaves. Yes, wage slaves, I'm gonna call it like it is, Facebook and all these platforms, they literally employ wage slaves working in some of the poorest parts of of, of the world to go through the material which, not being funny, would make the strongest minds of us go freaking insane after a period Mm -hmm. of time. And there are reports, many reports, some of which published by Vice, in which people who've worked for moderation teams in Facebook have reported the mental health problems they come out with. After seeing the stuff, the content, which is out there. And bear in mind, the people they're employing is literally nowhere near enough. Think of it like this. If you have 2 billion users and these 2 billion users are spending 70% of their time on their social media network, you're going to need well over a few million humans moderating that stream if you're going to employ that kind of technique. Which basically tells us that the Facebook and other social media networks model of moderating is, is doomed to failure from start to finish, actually. Now, the reason why AI moderation is kind of doomed to failure is because AI is reliant on what? Computer vision. What is computer vision reliant on? It's reliant on the same four data sets which was created and is mostly comprised of ethnically white people predominantly from Europe and Northern America, which means any computer vision system built on it will only work with 6.7% of the world Mm -hmm. population with a high level of accuracy. Yeah mind, these are systems which is uh, deployed into your self-driving cars. Surveillance systems. Mm. You know, the number of misidentification of black and mixed race people on AI on um, surveillance systems because of these computer vision problem systems. It's not that AI is trying to be racist or anything like that. It's just that the systems which have been designed are designed with little to no thought. And they're not designed with the majority of us in, in world view. This is the reason why when we're building when we build a product with AI here at Cryotech or at any of the other companies we you, we build off of open source AIs we do not use anything made by OpenAI or Facebook because we already know what they've been doing and we've been monitoring their utility of data for the longest time and we find sources of clean data and if we can't we then we will then build an educated system to create reliable synthetic data on top mm. of that those with our, on top of those uh, the new data sets that we're building for computer vision we're also going to be donating those out to the world as well. So the world has more than just four freaking facial recognition data sets. It's just mind blowing to me, but there's a reason why this hasn't changed. And it hasn't changed because all of the companies, these companies control legislature via lobbying and the government's kind of get to bed with them. So why do they need to change if nobody is forcing them to? You know, Has any big, super rich black family had a member of their family murdered by a computer vision system and then taken one of these people to court successfully? no. And until they do, nobody will really feel the impetus drive. Bear in mind, what is the reality here? Bottom line: unless it costs them money, why should they fix it?
1: Yeah, that's that's the sad sad truth. Yeah, and
0: it stifles innovation, unfortunately. And even and
1: even when it does cost them money, they're they're weighing it against other you know other yeah. costs benefits, and you know. yeah.
0: And then on top of that, they want to restrict access to it. Mm-hmm. You, know, you know, I'll give you an example. One of the things is originally we were going to move. All of our companies into U.S. control, but then we started doing some digging into all of the U.S. restrictions on exports and who you can deal with and who you can't deal with, and it turns out to be like, you know, about seventy percent of the rest, of the year, basically everywhere that doesn't want to use the U.S. dollar. It's like, hold on, business issues making time. I hate to say it, ladies and gentlemen, the BRICS world is the whole rest of the world, and it's way bigger. It's a bigger economy. Way bigger market, huge fucking market in comparison to the Western one. And I keep, and I've been saying this to my shareholders and other businesses, we need, we are now reaching the point where these different world governments who are meant to actually not just work for the civilian populace, but also work collaboratively with business in business, you know, in the aims of making business workable in their, in their environments and sectors, they're not doing that. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: What do these, big what do these big governments do? They don't pick the right companies. They get into bed with anybody, and it's pretty much whoever just hands them a hundred grand. They drop the drawers for.
1: Essentially, and then they,
0: and then they try to tech. And then they try to tell every tech company, sorry, these guys who can afford to drop us a few hundred grand. They've set the rules for all of you now. No, sorry, no, ah, uh-uh. no.
1: You know, yeah, that's, that's, not, that's not a way forward to create um, the best society. That's, that's um, a way to create a train wreck, which is what we're running into right now. But
0: oh, dude, We're so close to the Victorian society. It's unreal. I mean, did you know here in the United Kingdom, they banned peaceful protest? You know? Really? Yeah. In the, you know, look, Americans, please do some research into the United Kingdom. It is not what you think you're being shown we there is stuff happening here which would have you all out with your guns immediately reinforcing your rights very visibly
1: now, i i i think maybe that's a misconception about the united states because the united states i mean we have our own crises here you know right now we're yeah. being overrun in our southern border um and it's it, it's a whole other whole other mess and then to just look look at covid i mean people in the us just bowed down to these covid lockdowns and yeah, uh, and got in line here. yeah
0: so, yeah. did you know, my wife and I got deep. My wife, who's Slovenian, she lost many friends over COVID, unfortunately. These are friends yeah. who, were, who were scientists, who were doctors. And, the, and, and they kept and they all got themselves jabbed up. They ignored yeah. everything they knew about mRNA and what mRNA is. They ignored everything they knew about heavy metals and why you would need to use mm-hmm. heavy metals to strip the outer, nu- the outer cover of a nucleus and why that's a bad thing. These are actual scientists. And they still got co-opted in it. And my wife and I—we did take a lot of shit from it. How I even got shit from my friends for not being back oh soon. I,
1: I lost—I lost friends over it. It's—I lost—I yeah. lost lifelong friends over it. It's,
0: yeah. I had a lot of arguments with people, and the reality is, I, so I, again, it comes back to my education. My education—I studied genetics. I studied mm-hmm. biology. You know, I didn't do what other kids got taught in biology, which is where they just studied reproductive systems. I got taught everything. I learned about mm-hmm. ribonucleic acid and how you could actually. I'll give you an example. One of the things I did when I was a child, and these are still, the evidence to this is outside my parents' house in Walby to this day, is every every year, every season, these tulips spring up, which are multicolored red and yellow. They're unique. And I created them. I created them by actually mixing the phenotypes, the genetic material, of two different mm. types of tulip bulb because I was obsessed with that kind of stuff. Because yes, yeah, you can get engineering actually in your bedroom if you actually have enough knowledge. It's easy, people. Don't be afraid of this stuff. Go get it. Um, and that's when I started noticing that all of this inf- all that kind of information instantly is bear in mind, it's now what is that? Now most of that information is on a bad list. When actually it's just basic science. There's so much mm-hmm. information that is not taught to us because why? It's classified as restricted information. And again, this comes down to who we're allowed to talk to, who we're allowed to trade with, who are allowed to who are we allowed to believe are our enemies. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately. I am not from, I am, well, I say unfortunately or more fortunately, I am not related or from any of the big families. I think I'm about the only CEO that isn't. I'm the only CEO that's not from any form of money of any kind, <laughs> and it's from a council estate. And you know what? I think it would be great. I would, The way I'm operating my company is that in the future, I'm not going to be stifling uh, competition. We're actually going to be creating competitor funds where we're going to be helping to fund competition. I want to see innovation. Innovation breeds new products, new products which help people breed what? More profits. It's not all altruism people. It just actually makes business sense. You take care of your consumers, you take care of your employees. They all keep buying. They're happy consumers. It's fairly simple, really, I think.
1: Yeah, I I, I like it, man. Um I've enjoyed this conversation. I mean, the amount of stuff that you have going on, the amount of companies, the amount of moving parts, uh, I don't know how you, you keep everything straight. Very, very impressive.
0: Very, um, very little sleep. Very little sleep yeah. and lots of, of
1: weeds. That's it. <laughs>
0: um, in this industry sector, you have to have ways of um, decompressing uh, because if you mm-hmm. don't, you'll, you'll drown. And I can tell you this now, I'm never, ever setting up three companies and launching four products at the same time. Ever again after this, I'm doing it one at a time.
1: <laughs> you know? Yeah, well let, let's let's one more time here. Um get you know your plugs for each each of your companies, each of your products, so people can start using them, right? Because they're a lot of them are out there now and, and there's more and there's more coming down the uh down the pike. So yeah, give those uh give that information. Okay, horrific plug
0: time. So we have vox messenger, which is available at vox messenger.apple just by searching the Google Play Store. Currently available on Android, but we are publishing to iOS. I'm not going to give you the fixed time. We're hoping to for release in the coming weeks. But the iOS App Store it can be a little bit tricky at times and a little bit complex. So we're still working with that. Vox uh, Crypto is also already available on Android. Just vo- just Google Vox Crypto or to visit vox-crypto.app or type in Vox Crypto into the Google Play Store. It's there. And that is actually being released on iOS very shortly as well. Yeah. We have a new version of Vox Messenger coming out, which is version three, um, which is decentralized, interoperable, and actually combines uh, Vox Crypto, the crypto wallet and bill payment capabilities into one application, which is about April time we're looking at for that. Wow. Um, at Dijin, uh, my other company, we have Spatial Scan, which is the software that allows you to 3D scan and take your 3D scans and edit them in a Adobe-like interface. So think of basically think of it like we are we basically have the Adobe Photoshop of 3D scanning and linear editing all in one application called Spatial Scan 3D, which is going to be releasing very soon, featuring autonomous uh, featuring autonomous markers, camera sync, and it's the only volumetric camera software out there under a thousand dollars that allows you to use not only the Intel RealSense, but the Kinect, the Orbeck, and the Luxonis D device, which are super, some of those are super cheap devices which many people have access to. So it makes our, our 3D scanning software kind of like the Everyman software out there. We do have stuff coming out at Gorgon, but shh, you'll have to wait and see for that exciting stuff. Um, another feature that's going to be coming out to Vox Messenger soon, which I think your audience will be particularly interested in, is the ability to communicate across mesh networks, i.e. low row and Yes. Vox Messenger is incorporating Helium and is also incorporating a number of other, including mesh Tastic, uh, compatibility to its infrastructure, which basically means <coughs> in the event of a black, sw- in the event of a black swan event, everybody would still actually be able to maintain, uh, decentralized communications using any low row RAN system around them. Now, what is Super uh, low-power radio communications. Super cheap. I'll give you an example. A Mesh-tastic receiver, Google it, you can get for about $14, and it will allow you to communicate with somebody else via text over five kilometers away for free. Now, all across the United States and the world, there are lots of these different antennas. Hell, I run a helium antenna myself on the side of my house. So we're building that capability and because Vox Messenger, well, the way to think of Vox Messenger is, and I invite everybody to question me on this and to check if I'm telling the truth and to ask questions and to probe us, but Vox Messenger is literally designed to be the application for every person. The application that you can trust and use to pay your bills, to send crypto to your friends and family, because we know crypto is the future of finance. You know, there's a reason why the slogan for Vox Messenger is I am the messenger. The, the slogan for Vox Crypto is "I am the bank." We are giving. We are basically building systems that you control, you have control over, and you own. And not only do we, not only do you own them, but in the future, you'll be able to profit from them directly as well.
1: Fantastic, JB Nelson. Thank you for being so generous with your time and uh, coming and sharing with my audience today. I really appreciate it.
0: Thank you very much. It's great being here.
1: Hey, thanks for watching, listening to today's interview with JB Benjamin, just a, an awesome guy, really impressive um, CEO, founder, who has so much stuff going on in the uh, the digital space, the crypto space, the uh, mess- messaging space, the encrypted messaging space, and tying much of that together in very interesting ways. So I learned a ton throughout the course of this interview, and I'm looking forward to trying out his products. If you guys like what we do here at Lions of Liberty, if you like the content, if you like my show, Brian's show, our content we have on Fridays with me, please consider supporting us: Patreon.com/slash Lions of Liberty or Lions of Liberty It helps us; we can help you with some bonus content, give you some uh, some more stuff for your uh, listening pleasure, and uh, yeah, it's a win-win for everyone. Hope everyone has had a great start to the new year. We'll keep it going next week on next week's podcast. I'll be bringing on Chris Spangle to talk about the future of podcasting. So be sure to subscribe. So you get this, uh, this podcast lines of Liberty or finding freedom. If you're on just the, uh, the solo podcast feed for this show, either is fine. Same great show. Um, Just be sure to subscribe. So you get delivered to your little listening device in your pocket. That we call a cell phone. I will see y'all next week. In the meantime, always remember to keep your head up and those fires of liberty burning.